Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> the devil are you? Are you okay? Cracking. It's Thursday. It's the podcast. I know what you're thinking. The countdown has begun. The countdown to what, Craig? Christmas? No, the 13th of December. That is your final date to get in your time codes, your episodes, your best of moments for 2018. And we will give you a shout out and we will include them on the best of 2018 podcast, which is going to go out. So what we're going to do... We're going to keep as normal. We're going to keep pushing the episodes out on a Thursday right up to Christmas. Christmas, we'll have a little break for a week. And then we'll come back in that lull between Christmas and New Year with the best of the Two Shot Podcast 2018. It's your episode. It's the audience takeover episode. You tell us what were your best bits. We'll stick them on, give you a shout out. So 13th of December, we've had some absolute cracking suggestions so far. So do keep getting them into us, all right? Brilliant. So, this week, it's episode 67. So look, about 20 years ago, well it was 20 years ago, um, it was on my first job. Don't worry, it's not going to be about me, it's not narcissistic, it's all part and parcel of the intro, right? So 20 years ago, I got my first job, which I was woefully underqualified to be taking. But somebody gave me the job anyway, and I was a student, so it was like, welcome, money in my pocket, wasn't it? Um, But somebody who wasn't woefully underqualified, like myself, was Jenna Russell. Now, if you've been to the theatre in the past sort of 20 years, chances are you'll have seen Jenna. I last saw her this year in, uh, in a musical called Fun Home, which was at the Young Vic... And it, it's interesting with Jenna, you know, when you go and see a musical and they, they sort of perform a song or they're selling a song to you, Jenna doesn't really do that. She, it all comes from this beautiful place, this, this truthful place. And it's like she, she, she needs to sing, she has to sing because a spoken line won't do. So she takes it up to the next level. And, of course, I went to see that. And, again, she's always just something else Jenna she, she really blows me away and uh yeah I just ended up like crying my eyes out because she was so brilliant and beautiful um and it's funny you know I was talking to someone the other day an actor and she was doing some presenting and I said I didn't know that you you did some presenting she said oh my god yeah I love it but I can't I can't really do it anymore and I said why she went I just don't feel that this business lets me cross over. It wants to keep me doing one thing. And it's funny because Jenna is one of a handful of actors that I know that that may go and do a musical or she may go and do a bit of telly or she may go and do a play. So she does cross over. Um, yeah, I'm rambling enough. Look, this is a fantastic episode. I was so pleased that, that Jenna said that she'd come on and have a natter and we really did. And again, it's one of those episodes where I've known somebody for so long, even though we don't see each other as half as much as, as what, what we would like, I found out something, so many things about her that, that I didn't know at all after 20 years. I really hope you enjoy this. This is episode 67 of the Two Shot Podcast with the lovely Jenna Russell. I'll see you at the end. Do you? I got to, I got to the, the toilet. Well, have you found it? If you do that, and you really hold it in, there's not. But there's nothing. There's, there's no, no smoke. Out that, but I sometimes do that if I'm on a flight and then there's no one next to me. <laughs> it is quite hard though. Exhale into some wall wear and it absorbs yeah. some of the moisture. I since did you see that guy on? Um, I saw it on Twitter the other day. So he'd take a bit of his vape. <laughs> And then he put his woolly hat down 
And then he just blew it all out and just came <laughs> like barking <laughs> out of his thing. Oh, you've got to see it. It's quite, there's a lot of satisfaction from watching it. It's like, oh, big How lovely. can you do that? Have you tried it? No, I, no, I haven't been home yet. I haven't got my woolly hat out. It's, I've got my long johns on though. <laughs> have you got long johns yeah, on? Yeah, I have. Look. Oh, that's from filming though. Yeah, I know. They're not your actual long johns. I've nicked them. Yeah. Yeah, they are now, yeah. Got two sacks. The Uniqlo ones. Have you got the heat tack? Uniqlo. Oh, I wear them all the time. I mean, not on the legs, but the arm things. I actually wear them out as tops, although they're a bit tight, so I'll put a top on top. But, yeah. Nice they, and They're warm. good. Yeah, they're good. And you'll need that in Whitstable. Oh, yeah, it's freezing. When did you move to Whitstable? When? Yeah. 15 years ago? Why? I mean, not saying why, because <laughs> I love it. I've got lots of friends in, in Whitstable, as you, I'm sure you might Do you know, know what? It was one of those weird things. I... Ray and I had a flat. No, I had a flat. In London. In London. Whereabouts? In. Oh, God, what was it? Um, Stamford Hill. Where's that? Forgive my. See, Stamford Hill is kind of between. Um, oh, God. It's between Seven Sisters and I guess the, the, the biggest, nearest other area is. Tottenham, Tottenham Hale. Right. So, but there's there's no no um, tube there. But I was trying to live in High Street. Oh God, what's it called? Kensington. No, I wish <laughs> North London because it's been so long since I've lived in North London. Anyway, it's a long story. It's it's near Tottenham. Yeah. And we were, I was trying to buy a flat, which was in a posh bit. But I went and had the survey done. I was 20, and I went and had the survey done, and, and it came back that the um, renovation work that had been done on the flat was so bad that the chimney stacks could fall in at any moment and, and cause injury, even death. <laughs> That's what it said on the report. Nice. So I didn't go for that and ended up getting this flat in, in Stamford Hill. But literally two weeks after I bought it at the age of 20, the, the market crashed, and I'd really pushed myself financially to get it, and I think we paid 80 grand for it, me and my mate Lisa, and we had someone come round and, and value, it. value it, and it was like 30 grand, it was no. worth 30 grand. So we had to sit on it for 10 years, yeah. and the minute it became worth what I'd paid for it, so I wasn't in debt, we just sold it, and I just said, I'm never, ever buying again. So then I rented, met Ray, we lived in various rented accommodation, and then decided, right, we've got to get our act together and buy something because everything's getting out of control. And do you know Simon Paisley Day? Do you know Simon? No, I know the name. Ray was at the National with Simon, and they were at drama school together, old mates. And he came in one day, he was looking for somewhere to live, and he went, yeah, we've put in an offer on a house. And we were looking at, like, tiny little bedroom flats in Penge and yeah. depressing places like that. I'm like, how do you put an offer on a house? And he said, it's in Whitstable. His wife is a conservation biologist and she went to a place called Dice in Canterbury, in Canterbury University, which is a conservation course. Yeah. And um, so she, she knows Canterbury really well. Which, which is North not far near, from Whitstable, yeah. is it? And we went the next weekend and, and bought our house. Wow. Yeah. Did you just fall in love with the place? Cause it I isn't... didn't at all. Didn't I didn't know. No, I thought it was a bit dodgy. I've, I mean, I, I like it now. <laughs> or maybe it was dodgy. Well, it kind of... Years. It was. was it how many, 15 it years was... ago? Yeah, maybe Ish. 16 years ago. Right. But I remember when Simon came back um, from... Ray hadn't seen him for a while. They'd had some shows off and he went, oh, our house has fallen through. And we were like, shit, man. Don't be saying we're going to be the only people in Whitstable. We thought we were all going up as a little... Group, you know that. Yeah, <laughs> the, the fantasy, Everybody the actor's come fantasy. Come, come on, on. <laughs> we're going to wait to the vault. It'd be fantastic. But um, they did come, but about six months later. But we've now got a load of friends, actor friends, yeah. that have moved there and writers. But it's a lovely place to live. It's a lovely place to be out of work. Stressy sometimes when you're working, especially filming. But be, by being outside of London, do you are you able to switch off quicker when you're not doing work because you're you're living the life by the seaside? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Because I always thought, because when I moved out of London, I think about... Where do you live? I live in Gloucestershire. Oh, all right, OK. Why Gloucestershire? Why? Mm. Don't know. (laughs) Don't know. It's pretty. I can have chickens. (laughs) Do you have chickens? Yeah, I've got... Well, two now. I had four. Or do they eat each other? No, one one just sort of passed away (laughs) when I was away. (laughs) And my mum had to bury it. 
it's not a good conversation. And then a couple of weeks ago, I got up and I went to let him out, and I went, "Why is there only two come out?" And I opened where they lay their eggs, and he was just sort of oh, and I went ah. Oh. And was he dead or just yeah? He was dead. dead. He just must have passed away in the night. So it's not funny, Jenna. Why are you laughing at a dead chicken? <laughs> just the idea of the chicken kind of. He had its eyes having... closed. Never. You want quivering. It did close. Okay. It was close. So. Then I got the spade and went, right, that's a few less But eggs. that's sweet that you bury your... So you didn't think I'm going to eat it? Well, no, I didn't, because I don't know what it died of. Fair enough. So then I can end up this poisoning everybody. Everyone come round to my house and poison chicken. <laughs> Just all the neighbours dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the, why I moved there, because it was 90 minutes on the train. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? So it's 90 minutes on the train to London, and then it's a couple of hours... On the motorway up north. Yeah. So you're in the middle so you're kind to get of, home. You know, it's southwesty, but it's it's good. It's good for good. Yeah, for I you. quite like the commute. I have to say. Is it quite easy? Why is it two hours? It's well, it's got it's got longer bizarrely because they've got the high speed thing, and the high speed thing has made it longer. I don't know. What, I don't know why. How does that work? Because there are less trains that come into Whitstable that are just trains that go to Victoria. It used to be two an hour. Now there's one an hour to Victoria and one an hour to. Um, King's Cross and Pancras but the high speedy bit only happens from um, where is it from from uh, Stratford International that's the only bit that's high speed, the rest of the train's normal and because the, because they've increased the amount of stops to pick up people to use the high speed thing, it's made the journey longer, pain in the butt but you can do some good le- line learning I've found yeah, on the train yeah do a bit of work on the train or play Candy Crush <laughs> Which is generally why. Probably the latter with you. Yeah. Were you born in London? Yeah. Whereabouts? I was born in Paddington. At, um, yeah. I was being born in Paddington. Because that's where my train. I always go out of Paddington, you see. I don't train. know, I always remember that. St Mary's Hospital, Paddington. And I think I remember it because all the royal family have their, seem to have their children there. So I'm always like, ah, yeah, that's where I was born. <laughs> It's funny because I always think it's, hospital. I think it's quite a shithole around there. Palace. Well, it probably is. I haven't got, I haven't got a fucking clue. I haven't been, I haven't been back. I haven't There's no been blue back. plaque <laughs> saying that I was there. But, yeah, that, that's, that's where I was born. But then I swiftly went um, back up to Scotland. Was that where your parents were from? My, 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 mum, my mum is from Scotland. All my mum's family are from Scotland. And my dad's family is an unknown thing. Ah, yeah. Explain more. When okay, you say so that. my mum, oh God, I'm sure she'll be fine about me talking. We, yeah, my mum had me when she when she was 17. Right. And um, I think I was the. Uh, my mum was a bit of a character, um, and I think I was just a kind of born of a result of a good time. So it was never in. We were never entirely sure who my real dad was and my mum <clears throat> which I think probably happened a lot then because I'm I'm a bit older than you um only a little bit only a little bit but when my mum got pregnant so young I'm not quite sure because I never asked her but I think she panicked and she ran away so she ran she went to London and nobody knew about her pregnancy nobody she had me and promptly put me up for adoption did she? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she went home, back home, said, like, oh, I've been in London for a year. Her, her, my granny and granddad had another um, daughter who was a couple of years younger than my mum, so she was about 15, 16, my, my auntie made. All the others had left years before. And um, my, auntie, my auntie May says that I think there was just, like, this one night where... Maybe I think it was maybe that the papers, the p- final papers, had come through about me being adopted because I was living with foster parents. I think no memory of this at all, obviously. Right. And um, my mum just went, I, I, I ugh, can't do it, and then told her mum and dad, who were like, Oh, for God's sake, <laughs> Jesus Christ, we thought we just got rid of having children, but they they kind of. They all got on a train and came down and took and me back you. home. And how old and, were you at this point? Well, Do you know? I don't know, something between zero and one. Oh, God. So I lived with my granny and granddad for three years, I think, while my mum 
went back to London, tried to sort herself out, but she was a baby. I mean, yeah. she was a baby. But it's funny because I always, I don't know whether you do this, I always go, is that a real memory? Have I made it up? Stuff, big stuff that's happened in your life. Yeah. You go, oh, I've made that up. Yeah, that can't I, possibly. That can't possibly have been a thing. But when my mum was recent, well, 10 years ago, feels recent, <clears throat> got very ill and we talked about it, you know, at quite some length, and, she, and everything she said was what I remembered yeah. from being told it when I was probably 13, 14. So it is true. But, um, yeah, it's a funny old start. What, I wonder what my life could have been. I've, apparently my auntie, Auntie Penny, there was a discussion in the family, and my Auntie Penny said that she would take me on, but I was not allowed to know that my mum was my mum. That she was, I would, I would, I could be. I, she would take me in as her daughter. So, uh, you, so Auntie Penny would, would be, have been in your your mum, so yeah, to speak, right? And I would, but the kind of deal was that it wouldn't be known that my mum was my mum, and I, I don't know who decided. Probably my mum went. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah, because it would have been like there would have been no contact whatsoever. Well, yeah, like sisterly contact, but I wouldn't have known that she was my mum. Bizarre, isn't it? That is really bizarre. Yeah, I can understand how she would have thought that's a good idea because otherwise, you know, in those days, I guess going, oh, she's my daughter, but her mum is my sister. That's probably for protection for everybody, really, wasn't it? But I'm glad, (laughs) glad that didn't happen. (laughs) And how's your relationship with your mum? Brilliant, brilliant, always been brilliant. She's uh, she's character. Have you ever met my? I have met your mum many, many years ago. Many years ago. Yeah. Do you remember her being a I bit of a remember, character? I remember being quite a looker. That's what I remember. Yeah, she she is. She is. I mean, she's calmed down an awful lot, but she was, yeah, quite the live wire. Yeah, she was. I remember being very lively. <laughs> But I am going back. I'm not even going to ask about that. I am going back. I did have back. to ban her from press night for quite a long time. <laughs> Mum, stop it. I always thought she had a lot of energy. I, mean, I think I met her like twice or something. She's brilliant. Mm. She's brilliant. But she, you know, she can... And certainly when, when I was younger, because it was only her and me, there were, there were never any other children. It was... Uh, yeah, it was. it was hard work sometimes and we spent spent quite a lot of my childhood separated it's it's kind of bizarre she she when she you know forgive me mum if I get some of these things wrong but we you know you don't talk about intimate things in your childhood do you no. all the time no sometimes you go oh that yeah all right yeah yeah I remember that no I don't remember that well, but you may you may think about it yeah. but you don't actually have a conversation yeah. about it yeah or or there are certain things that you think I don't want to upset her because that wasn't a great period but she she went when she went back to London I believe that the story is that she when when she left me with my granny and granddad was that she was obviously trying to sort things out and make things right and get a life set up in London to bring me into it which she did do but she met um a black cab driver called Pat um, who became my stepfather? Although I don't think they ever got married. Maybe yeah, they did get married. They got married, but he didn't adopt me. But I don't think that was anything other than we just never got round to it. Yeah. But um, I took his name, so that's where Russell comes from. Oh, is that's it? where my dad's name comes from, and that was quite. He was a black cab driver. He, I was thinking about him. He used to, like, kind of have a stall in Petticoat Lane selling antiques, <laughs> but they were mostly kind of junk, junky things, but that sold better than antiques. So he did that. He also used to... Remember the old parking meters? Yeah. He used to go and empty the parking meters, but I, I'm imagining that that was, like, a proper job rather than him just... No, I think that used to be a proper job, didn't yeah. it? You used to see him go around. But, you know, they tons of like a bag underneath it but I remember sitting in the car like that you know while he (laughs) emptied the parking meters so we he's and my mum was a secretary and he yeah we we he did lots of different things but they they had periods where they got on really well and they got periods when they didn't get on well at all so sometimes my mum would like 
come in, you know, at two in the morning, go, right, we're off. And we'd be like, okay. Oh, right, so not just like a little petty squabble. This was quite no, a big... No, full on. Yeah. And then we'd go for three months. Oh, right. Or sometimes I remember my mum would go for a few months and I would stay with my stepdad. It was com- It was complicated. And sometimes we had money... And sometimes we really didn't. I remember us living in a garage at one point. What, an actual garage? An actual garage. Because my dad used to do some upholstery as well. See, it's coming back. Yeah. Used to do upholstery. And um, I remember we stayed in the garage where we did upholstery. But, I mean, who knows? We may have stayed there for a week. Or we may have stayed there for a month or a night. But at that age, you can't say, can you? You can't go. It's bonkers. You know... Uh, summer holidays used to feel like months yeah, and now, you yeah. know, it's like six or eight weeks exactly. and it's done. But, but it's weird, so I can't, rem- I, can't, I can't remember. But I remember brushing my teeth, rub it, wetting my finger on the soap yeah, and brushing my teeth with the soap on my finger because we didn't have toothbrushes. But that might have been for one night. Yeah. But... But it's a lasting memory. Oh God, yeah. But it was an adventure. I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't remember sort of sitting there going, "Oh, this is terrible." I just remember going, "Oh, here we go, another, another set of circumstances." I remember one time my mum and I lived in a squat in um, in Hackney on the twenty first story of a twenty one story block of flats. But I loved it because we were there for about three and a half months. But I remember they just like sleeping on mattresses on the floor, but there was wallpaper, and I can remember the wallpaper, like this... um, It was a repeating pattern of, like, this woman in a sort of ridiculous outfit, but it was black and white, and I coloured it in. (laughs) I remember just colouring in the wallpaper, but, you know, I was never told, don't do that. Yeah. But I remember going to the school there, and the kids, it was... They were so... It was so poor the area was so poor I remember kids coming to school I mean I I guess this kind of thing happens now but I remember going blimey kids coming in in their pajamas because they didn't have actual clothes I mean and it wasn't that long ago you go Christ because I was going to say you know say if your mum would take you away for three months or she would leave you three months how did that make you feel at that time Oh, awful! I missed. How old were you? How old were you? I can't remember. This is all. Was it? Was it? You were at school then. Yeah. Oh yeah. How did that affect your school life if you were just going away? And my, I think my school life was always pretty chaotic. Oh, totally chaotic. And I think now, looking back, and and how my brain works, I think I'm probably was always dyslexic. My daughter's dyslexic. We found that out recently. And when we had the the consultation after she'd had all her tests done, everything the woman said, I thought, that's me. I do that. Oh, my goodness. And I've always struggled reading and, and spelling and stuff. And a lot of the time I thought that's because I had such a crazy education yeah. that I was never at one place long enough. But I think it's because I was dyslexic. So I don't know. I don't know. I think I learnt different skills. Well, you'd have to, wouldn't go you? Going to all those different schools. But it, it, it paid a price when I was about 14, because I was, I was just... I just... I, just, I was... I was... Yeah, I was, not, I was not in a good place. I was exhausted. I'd, I'd, I was fed up with it all. I kind of gave up on myself. I remember thinking I'd kind of given up on myself. And I wasn't living with my mum, I was living with my stepdad and he was drinking a lot. And it, it just wasn't a happy time, really wasn't a happy time. And my mum was, had moved out, this was the, their kind of final split up. And I remember she was living in Finsbury Park in a B&B that the councillor put her in, waiting for a council flat. But the the promise always was that the minute she got her council flat, I could live with her. And she did get a council flat, and um, eventually, after a couple of years, and I moved in with Mum in our little one-bedroom council flat that she got, like, kind of emergency women's housing. Right, yeah. But it was in Crouch End, and um, I remember saying to her, I want to live with you, 
more than anything, but I cannot go to another secondary school. I cannot walk into another school with 1,200 kids and start all, and all over again. I just, I just can't. And I think that because I'd probably done about 10, 15 different schools prior to that. Oh, at such a young age. It's mad, isn't it? It is crazy, yeah. But it, oh, do you know what? I, it, having my own child... And I see people going, oh, I don't want to put, I don't want to put Dave in Dave. Because <laughs> it's, <a> <laughs> it's a very popular name for babies Dave. in 2018. In, in Whitstable. Lovely baby Dave. I can't, I, I'm worried about Dave going there because it's, it's, it's only an infant school. And you're like, what the fuck? They can cope with going to a different junior school. Yeah. If they go to three different schools that are just, some of their mates are going to be there. I, th- I think you learn... Different skills, I think. Different. I'm. I. I don't. Although we all worry about starting a job, I'm quite good at walking into a room and Meeting taking a deep breath and and yeah. getting on with it. Yeah, I mean that's it. And I think in life that's a great skill to have. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I. I said to mum. Sorry, I'm digressing. I said to no, mum, no, I can't. No, I can't worry. do. I can't do another big school, and my. Stepdad, the cabbie, yeah, had a mate who was also a cabbie, and his son, Dean, <laughs> went to Sylvia Young's. And I remember having... I really fancied Dean. I used to kind of... I had no idea that he was gay as a gay thing. <laughs> I just assumed he was, he was beautiful just beautiful, boy. beautiful, yeah. beautiful boy, beautiful ginger boy. I always remember. And but he said, "Oh, darling, you you'll get in, you'll get in." They they take some kids because they're talented, and some kids because they're you know in need of help. You'll be all right. So you're obviously in the last. Yeah. Hour. <laughs> but I did get in. My mum was had, I don't know how she did it, but she was doing like um, I think she was doing her O levels. She was taking O levels because I don't think she got much of an education either. And I, she was doing Romeo and Juliet, so I, I looked up the biggest bit of writing for Juliet, and I learnt that off by heart, and I learnt a song, and my dad used to always listen, my stepdad used to listen to um, uh, West Side Story a lot. Right. So I thought, I'll, I'll sing Something's Coming from West Side Story, because I know that. I went into the, to have an audition with Sylvie's that Dean's dad had set up for me, and um, the song went terribly because I had never sung it with the piano and it was <laughs> right, so it threw you off. really high and I didn't know how to get in because it's like did it did it did and the piano's just going that and I'm like oh, so I messed that up but I remember going and I had purple hair because my mum was really into punk the punk movement you had purple hair and I had purple hair just my fringe and I remember walking to the corner because I I decided I was going to do this this speech from Romeo and Juliet like spin around and be really brilliant (laughs) and how did the speech go? oh I can't it was a whirlwind but I remember walking to the corner of the room (laughs) why the corner of the room I don't know and thinking as I was walking up to the corner going, if you fuck this up, you've got to go to a proper school. So, go on, go on, you can do it. And I span around and I still, I can still remember the speech, which I won't do, but I can still remember it. But I did it and she let me join in. So do you think, I'm sure you had the the want, but maybe it was more the need to go there, to get out of, Going to another school. Oh, it was all. 100%. That's all it was to do with. Honestly, you would not recognize. I remember at that time, I was. I mean, I was always a skinny malink, but I was a skinny malink. I I stopped washing my hair. I I was. I, honestly, I was a little shell of a person. I remember. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and going, "Oh my god." You've got to sort yourself out. You're, you're disappearing. I felt like I was disappearing. And it took, you know, a great deal of strength, actually, to, to kind of go, right, I'm going to go for this audition. What's an audition? No idea. But I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. And, and um, 
thank goodness she must have seen something in me or appreciated the fact that I'd tried. Yeah. Or, or whatever. But I got in. <clears throat> and you were 14? I was 14. God, you shouldn't have to be asking those questions to yourself at 14. I, mean. I think if you've had a... I, mean, I don't know, everyone's got a story, haven't mm. they? Yeah, oh yeah. And so many people have difficult childhoods. And I think so many actors, actually, have difficult, weird roots to acting that that, you know I look at I look at the my little girls at school and remember there was a little showcase when she was tiny she wasn't part of it but we were at the school and kids you know who were 10, 11 just before 10 just before they go into the to the big school were doing stuff you know some kids would do a poem and somebody would sing a song and I remember there was this one kid and he, you know, he was alright but he was tits and teeth and really singing and it. really doing it yeah. and like the headmistress said to me definitely going to be an actor and I thought no you haven't got a clue yeah. it's the little one in the corner sort of not participating quietly or there was a girl who wrote a poem and it was so powerful but she kind of read the poem like that, and she's and I thought, oh, there's the there's the making. Yeah, 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 there's the interesting of one. of an actor or a writer. I think we're quite um, quiet little souls, really, really, and we we come to it a lot of us from a a, a, a different place than people imagine. I think that's the thing. I think when you're an actor, you recognise each other. Well, I don't suppose you? because people go. Oh, well, you're on stage, you're on the telly, you want to be seen, you want to be noticed. Well, I don't know, there's something in me that I suppose I, we have to do it within us, but yeah. I'd sooner walk around like the streets with yeah. my hood up. And, yeah, it's a, it's a weird and one, isn't it? And be by myself. I don't want to go to the cinema. Like, my favourite thing, I've probably said this before, no, is going to the cinema by myself. Oh, I, I love going anywhere by myself. But I like to... I don't, I don't, in the afternoon, I don't want anybody else in the cinema. I don't like sitting next to people. I feel, <laughs> I feel, I feel a bit un, un, uncomfortable. I just feel, What's that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. It's because you don't like to be, dis- you don't like to hear other about people's being, it's noise. Not, not, not about being disturbed or, I suppose it is. I don't want anybody else's opinion uh, yeah. to yeah. annoy me or. Yeah. I don't want you eating next to me. <laughs> but then again, saying that, I love going out. Like to eat by myself, so don't mind no, people eating me next too. to me. But I suppose it's in the environment is what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, but that's but there we are, solitary. You like that, mm. but you like you know, obviously you like being at home with with. Yeah, I love that too with but, your family. But, but that's a, you can. Some people aren't good at being by themselves. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. But I find it quite cathartic because I can think about things that yeah. I normally wouldn't have the time to think about because I'd be doing X, Y and Z yeah. and like nothing to do with, with work it'd be like oh shit well if you're in the house there's always something yeah, to do always, yeah. so you can't just sit down and just be Switch with yourself off. and sometimes that's healthy Oh, I think, I, it's... Think it's re- I think it's kind of essential because otherwise oh, I don't know you go f- a bit fucking balmy sometimes mm. but then again on the flip side I know some people that would go a bit balmy if they were by themselves. I know it's the funny, time. isn't so, it? Yeah, I think, but I think actors are pretty good at being on their own. Yeah, I do, I do. But I think it's the interesting thing is that I think that people think that the perceived notion to people who aren't actors is that we're we're all <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there was a bit of that when well, we were I mean, younger. But also, we know a few of those people, yeah. but. Not many, though. Not many, but also that's what they're like within a crowd because that's how they want to be perceived. Yeah. But when they're by themselves, they're not like that. No. No. Maybe they crave that. I don't know. I can't speak for uh, those types of people, but I think there's something... Yeah. But I think we're mostly a quiet... I think we're mostly a quiet bunch introspective maybe you you but you're very good in group situations yeah it doesn't doesn't phase you phase me really but i'm just as happy being on my own and i'm though now i live out of london and have done for 15 years 
it really takes a massive effort to get off my lovely cosy sofa to go and see a play in London. I mean, I hardly ever do it. It's terrible. Well, it is terrible. Well, I, don't know, I mean, it's hard for me as well sometimes, you know, and people who live out. And I've said this before, it's like, wow, I'm going to drag myself in. I'm probably going to be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's when you have to really pick carefully, isn't it? You have to go, right, I hear that's good, but this, or it's that director who I love, I know they're going to do something. I'm going to see a director's friend of mine play yeah. next week and, you know, I, wouldn't, I just wouldn't miss anything that he'd do because I just think he's brilliant. And I know that what, even if I don't like the evening... There'll be something about it that you can be take away. enough yeah. about, that will there'll, have been worth me. Yeah. Getting off the sofa. Getting, getting off the sofa, exactly. And, yeah. and the palaver. And also, when you're working, and I mostly do theatre these days, when you're working... You're in every you're in every day, so when you're not working, it's heaven not to have to be on the train. So, swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Swings and roundabouts. So, how was Sylvia Youngs then? Were you there all the time? Yeah, I was full time. Do you, is it? Forgive me, but is it boarding or no, no, no? no. Oh, so you'd be going I, yeah. home back to, back to your mum. Yeah, I would get the tube from. Uh, I get the bus and then the tube. Do the tube journey. Come home. Afterwards, and, and then she was in Covent Garden. The school was in Covent Garden, and there literally were, I think, I wish I wish I could pin it down, but I think there were about thirty kids there. So not a lot at all not compared at all. to like, no. It was, it, honestly, I was like a little dried out piece of you know, like your flowers when you don't water them in the summer. Yeah. I was that little thing. And I walked in, and within two or three weeks, I was, I was, I'd blossomed. It was extraordinary. And I think a lot of it was to do with the fact that it, that it just was small. There was not many of us. And people were funny. <laughs> people were genuinely... In, there was an interesting bunch. I went, when I went, and I met him at my audition... Stephen McIntosh, do you know Steve? Yeah, I know of Stephen McIntosh, of course. Yeah. Steve, Steve and I joined at the same time. We met at the audition. He became my best pal, and you know we just we just had a ball. And some of the kids were there seriously because they were genuinely talented. Yeah. They were, you know, they were some who had been doing it since yeah. they were three. Yeah, yeah. That were really oh my god, you're that's full on. weird. That's <laughs> like yeah, you're full on. <laughs> and then there were other kids there that were kind of odd, <laughs> and I think I got in there under the odd thing and as a result of being there you know we did like improvisation classes we did group singing classes we did dancing which I was terrible at I mean I found it very hard still do I can't <clears throat> I can't dance and hate it but you, you had to have a go so it was good I guess for keeping fit and yeah. jumping around we we did lambda exams and and we were auditioning for stuff because they right, had an from, agency. Oh, yeah. from, of course they had an agency. Yeah. Right, yeah. So it's a bit like yeah. in Oldham, the Oldham Theatre Workshop, they have... Is that what... Because I'm... They, they have an offset of an agent as right. well, yeah. And my agent was this woman called um, Veronica Foley, who Good used name. to be an actress. And she was terrific. She was, terrific. She was like my second mum. I loved loved her. Very funny woman. You know, you saw a difference within yourself quite soon of going there. Did your mum see a difference in you from when you I were don't coming know. back every day? I don't know. Never really talked about that. No, we've never talked about that. No. I guess. But I guess she hadn't really seen much of me for in, in like, living together for two years because I hadn't lived with her. Yeah. So... Were you happier within yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Was it one of those I think that you would just bring out of bed in the morning? And go, I can't wait to get that. Type oh, yeah. Of thing. <laughs> but we, you know, we, we, me and my mum were like two little peas in a pod. You know, there was the there was the two of us in this tiny little flat. I mean, it was tiny, one bed. I was don't think I was supposed to even be there, and the bedroom was tiny, so we used to take it in turns to have the bedroom, and the other person would sleep on the on the. We had like a, a one of us would sleep on the sofa. 
and then eventually we kind of got a bed in the in the front room so I would have the front room but I think more often than not I had the bedroom because mum would stay up later obviously because she was a grown up yeah <laughs> but yeah we didn't have a washing machine used to wash our clothes in the bath you know fill the bath up and put the clothes in and I'm standing there in the bath squishing the clothes underneath my feet it was boiling our boiling our underwear I remember all that it's bizarre isn't it but but I think the age difference we had such a we were and we we had a, such a good time together we're like two little um I don't know what we were like two little musketeers and, you know, she'd go out to work, I'd go out to school, then we'd come home and <clears throat> talk about our day. Yeah. And, and and we had, you know, she she trusted me, gave me a lot of, a lot of freedom. Um, we had a, a really good, good time. My mum, you know, she, she's, she's better now, I think it's as she's got older, but mum always suffered really badly with depression. <clears throat> so there would be some difficult times, but but good times. I mean, I guess it's one of those things, and I always want to talk to you on this podcast about it because I think it's it's. I think people sometimes have this image of how people get into acting, and and I think you you can hit it from all different ways. You can have had a really tricky childhood and still end up playing Lady Macbeth at the National Theatre. It doesn't... Yeah. It, your, your your life isn't Defi- defined yeah. by your childhood. No. In fact, I think if you have had obstacles to overcome, it makes you a better human being. And but, stronger, yeah. maybe. But I'd also know people that have had really bad times and have sunk. You know, I think you... There comes a point where you realise, and I don't think people... It took me a long time to realise you have a choice. I always thought, oh, I'm just kind of blowing around. But we constantly have choice. And I think you can choose to let a bad thing really suck you down and, and, and beat you, or you can choose... And it's a difficult thing to rise above it, yeah. And kind of go, okay, it does. That doesn't have to mean it's going to be what it's like always. And I think I just think that's important. I think it's important, and also as an actor, it, it gives you. Um, you might not know it, but you you end up with a lot more um, tools in your box. Yeah, absolutely. And you know power. I mean? Yeah, yeah. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think if you ever look back on it that not that you missed out on anything, but do you think you grew up too quick? Oh, completely. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I was thinking about it. Completely. Oh, completely. Oh, absolutely. But again, nothing too bad in that. Honestly, do I feel like I've missed out? I think I think it well, I think there's a difference there, isn't there? Growing up too quickly and not looking back and go, resenting and going, oh, I missed out. Or going, I did grow up and, I, yeah, I think I did miss out. I don't know if... You, I, but I you never, never get the know, sense, though, do you? you I don't know, if, I think sometimes you, you you do if it's clear, but I suppose if you're asking yourself the question, then maybe you didn't miss out. I mean, and, I, and I didn't know any different. I, and I yeah. don't know any different. And I think, you know, for there may have been a lot of negative stuff in in my early life but it was also punctuated with like brilliant stuff me and mum used to do extraordinary things and go crazy places and you know, like I said she was really into music we used to go to loads of gigs together Did you? and yeah 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 and and in my middle kind of about 15 15 to 20 I think and she stayed with him longer but I remember used to be down there a lot that she went out with um, a guy called Ron Matheson who was a bass player, brilliant bass player in Ronnie Scott's quintet Right. but 
you know, virtually every weekend, I, I was down Ronnie Scott's. Wow, brilliant. And, what great know, foundations. Oh, yeah, extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. Extraordinary. And then when I started working, you know, I'd be doing a job and I'd go on going down Ronnie's and the older actors would be like, how, how, are, you, how are you going down Ronnie's? Well, my mum... My mum kind of is there all the time and so we'd hang out with extraordinary people and, and see, you know, I, I could just turn up with a couple of mates and they'd let me in and sit at the back watching Nina Simone. I mean, wow. it, was, it, was, it was brilliant. So we, we had this kind of, I guess you, if I look back at it and you can look at the dark difficult bits which there were but they weren't there all the time or you can look at the kind of crazy bohemian mental bits that we had which we did and laughed a lot and it sounds like full of sunshine yeah and it was yeah. when 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 the light was on yeah when when it was good it was good it was it couldn't be better so I, and and my mum was also one of these people who if I would be sitting down doing some homework or something and I'd be doing a drawing, she'd be like, that's amazing. You, you could be an artist, you know. She, she's one of them, those people. Yeah. You could do whatever you want. If you, you want to be a, a fucking artist, you can be an artist. And then, then colouring, you know, beautiful pencils would arrive that she'd bought or, like, she'd buy me a book to write my novel. I mean, I'd... It's so encouraging, it's though. I think it's brilliant. And it's I the... remember that stuff. Of course I you really, do. really, you know, you have to tell your kids these things, even if they'd never pick up on it. But if they can hear those little words somewhere swimming around their brains, that they, they can you do can. anything. Yeah. But, you know, on the flip side, you can also remember the people when, no, you can't do that. That's, oh, yeah. That's not for you. Yeah, but fuck them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what you thought at the time as well. Then you thought, I'm only a kid, I shouldn't be thinking that. But no, as an adult, I'm right, I'm right, fuck you. So having not really had any aspirations like certain people who were like in that class at Sylvia Young, was there a certain point where you went, actually, no, I think this, I can do this, this, this could be something that I want to do for a not living? Re- not really, it's weird, isn't it? I I just I start, I just started working. I did the odd bits and bobs, and I did some stuff that you look back and you go, actually, that's weird because that's turned into something kind of brilliant and is remembered well. Um, and I just kept I just kept working. What I what I remember more than anything was how much fun you I were had. Having. Yeah, I really. Whilst you were working, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Just the people. I loved the crews. I loved, yeah. I, I just I loved, I loved the the environment, and I mean it was just a laugh. I just thought it was a, the best laugh, and then they give you some money at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, really? Are you having a joke? <laughs> I could not believe that you could do it, but so I never came at it from oh I really want to do this, and it's a need, and a no. I mean it's become more of that the older I've got, but to begin with, it was just, this is brilliant. A real laugh that you get this paid for. It's brilliant, and, and like turning up and doing a day or a couple of days on a TV thing and being in a silly costume and pretending like it was 1940s and you're going, wow, this is crazy, and that's, <laughs> oh, my God, that's Wendy Craig off Butterflies playing my, my nanny. This is mental. So it, it was just a laugh to me. And there was a... And back in those days as well, Anna shares Sylvie's. We all we all knew each other. We'd right. all go up for the same jobs. We'd all hang out together. And I guess I, I did a I did a film just as I was leaving Sylvia's. I'd done a I'd done a, I'd done all right. What age were you now? Like I must have been. What time? When did you leave that? 16, 16. And I did this um, Channel Four film with one of the actors in it playing a fellow kid was Kathy Burke. Right. And I'd, I'd met Kathy, but we ended up becoming really good mates on it. And so then I started going down... I don't know whether you ever did this, the old red lion. Did well, you ever no, go down the old red? I have been down the old red lion, yeah. yeah. But back in the day, going down the old red, 
you know, you would be there with Gary Oldman. And I heard, yeah. It, they, they were, it was messy because you'd get a proper lock, proper lock in. <laughs> but it was brilliant fun. And then that whole bunch of people, Steve Sweeney, Perry Fennick. All that North London angel, yeah. yeah. We, we all hung out together and then, you know, you go and see them doing their plays at the Royal Court. and So it was quite a tight-knit community. And we worked, you know, you worked. Back then, you would go up for audition and, you you know, you'd have a proper conversation with the director and and you go, oh, do you want to do it with an accent? Yeah, what accents can you do? Oh, I can do um, Bristol accent, you want to do a Bristol... You know, you, it would be terrible. And they go, oh, I don't like that. Well, try, try, try Scottish or try... It, something happened about... 15 years ago, actually longer, 20 years ago, I remember going in for an audition for Touch of Frost and I remember thinking, oh, my God, what's happened? They all just... I mean, there was loads of them in the room and nobody said anything. And there were just pictures of other actors on the table and I was like, what's going on? It was like the Grand Inquisition and that's when I realised, ah, it's shifted. They don't want you to act it anymore. you just got to be it. And... They were waiting for me to talk, which I did, and I didn't get the gig, but obviously because I wasn't the immediate what they know they'd know it when they walk when the person walked in and opened their mouth and said, Hi, I'm Frieda Schlubenbugger. Yeah. And they go, Oh yeah. Of course you are. She's she's perfect. Yeah. No acting required. I mean I think things have changed a little bit, but I honestly we used to Oh, I'm not free. What what are your dates? Oh, it's, it's September, all of September and October. No, 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 I'm, do, I'm doing a Crown Court. I'm doing a Crown Court. Have you, have you tried Cathy Burke? Oh, gosh, she's a good idea. There you go, off you go. See you later, lovely to see you. And we used to pass each other work around. It was a, it was a, it was a lovely time. <laughs> do you feel it was, a, it was a, a healthier time? Not just for quality of work, but for probably you as an actor. Well, yeah, because there was no pressure. There was no pressure. They used they had to send you out the script. You used to have to come in the post because yeah, there was no email. The and the casting directors would be paranoid that you wouldn't get the script. The scripts would also be written. So you'd get, sometimes, you know, you'd get you'd get three or four scripts if it was a series and and you could you could have time to work on it. Nobody expected you to know it. I don't, I don't get that. What do you feel about that? Oh, then? I get really angry about it. And I don't know whether half of it is my dyslexic head because I find it so hard to learn it. Cold. Ray, my other half, was had an audition the other day. I hope you don't mind me saying this, Ray. But I think it's so... He's, he got it so right. He went into this audition for, you know, a little part in a very good series. And he'd learnt it... And he knew it, and he went into the audition, and you know, it, it kind of he wanted to put the script down, but then panicked and thought, I don't know it well enough, but did know it. Yeah. But of course, the pressure of the situation of hello, what's your name? My name's this. Thank you. Let's go. And then you're you're standing up in a room, and you're you've knew it in the toilet, and it's all going out of your mind, and, and then you think, I'm not acting. I'm just. Panicking. You're stood there, we'll start with that naked, we're now closing <laughs> on a script in your hand and you just feel ridiculous. Feeling ridiculous. Yeah. And then Ray said that he said to the to the director who was in the room, unusual, and the and the, and the cast director, he went, I've, I'm sorry, he said, but this is horrendous. In no, we never, as actors, ever do this anywhere other than a reho- than a, a, an audition. It's ten lines, it's a scene. If I got this job, I I would learn it as well as I could, but I wouldn't be perfect because I know that when we get on set, it's we would again. have a rehearsal. Yeah. Then then we would block it. Then we would do a camera rehearsal. Then me and the other actors would go away and run the lines together to see what that person's saying and how that changes what I'm saying in terms of my inflection and, and my meaning of the text. And then we'd come up and we'd do it on the set, and then we'd get a couple of goes at it. Never do you have to go in front of a camera, be absolutely perfect for, like, your first rehearsal. It's, it's, hor- it's horrendous. 
Christmas. I get, I, I get it. I get why people... Actually, I don't get it, to be honest, because they see your eyes, I don't know. I think it just favours people that have really good memories. That's also, all it seems to me. But also, then, if even with people who have really good memories, that moment, that however long, ten minutes, five minutes, however long it is, surely then it doesn't become you going, oh, right, I'm this character. It becomes going, I want to see how good I am at learning. Wicked at learning lines, me. Well, great. Um, yeah, great. good for you. Good for you. Doesn't doesn't mean anything. No, does it doesn't it? mean anything. That's what annoys me. It, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. And 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 I don't know where the pressure. I don't know who applied the pressure first. I don't know whether it comes from the casting department, or whether it comes from the producers, or the director goes. I'd really like them to be off book. Or does it come I from America? Know. I don't know. But then I've just been working in America, and they tell me they don't do that. The actors say absolutely not, even. The American actors, this is, telling me this, because how often do you hear that? Well, the Americans want to see you. But apparently they all... I mean, who knows? This might be a load of bollocks. But apparently they hold on to their script. They make... They show... They visibly, on um, when, when they're self-taping, hold the script so they, that the cast and director slash director can see that they're not getting the finished product. They might be very familiar with it and probably would know it if you took the script away from them but they hold the script to say this isn't the finished article yet I know actors here that dress up you know go go on the blooming tube dressed as a world war one soldier for a <laughs> I mean I can't do that no I can't do that that's horrendous but it's, I know I don't know about this Finished article thing. I don't know. Also, surely, surely, if you're in the room, you're good enough to play the part. Right, I think that. I think that. Yeah. The casting director wouldn't waste their time. So then it's just down to whether you look right in front of their... in their minds. But also it's about playing, and you have to... Well, you have be. to get on with who you're playing with, and you have to have a nice complicity with the director and a nice dialogue. So you're having a conversation in the room... And then you get to a point, right, OK, we're ready. Yeah. Which, which does happen sometimes. Which yeah. does happen sometimes. Yeah. And I, I guess as well, it must be hard for directors as well, because so often I think they don't get a say in who they cast. More and more, I think, nowadays. I think it's executives. I think. Who probably aren't there. No. And do they give a shit if, you, if you're word perfect? I don't know. That would be a good question to ask them also, if they were Also, I think in the room. we end up sometimes doing a disservice to writers because you're so desperate trying to keep going that you end up paraphrasing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure the writer, if they ever get to see it, go, why are they, why are they not saying my words? Because they've had 24 hours better. to it's learn it. It's better if, if they do stick to it because I've written it for a reason. Yeah, and spent a lot of time I'm not just messing it. about, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, I... It, it, it makes me, it, it gets my back up, and I, I don't know. I think I'm one of those. I just do. I need rehearsal. I do. I, I, I don't think it's laziness on my part. I think I just need, I need to rehearse it. I need to do it a few well, times. I think everybody does, don't they? And you get to do that on a film set, and you get to do that even on a soap. You get to do that because you've got to rehearse it for the camera crew, and there's your rehearsal time. You know, you can be familiar with it and know it as best as you can. But it only really, I think, goes in when you know where you're standing, you know where you're moving to, you're looking at the actor in the eye that you're doing the scene with, and you say it a few times out loud. Do you feel things... We've spoken about that change, but do you feel things have got... have changed or have got harder for you as you've got older, as a woman? As a woman? Mm. No, I think it's got better. You think it's got better? Yeah. Why do you think it's got better, Jenna? I don't know. I've always thought I was a a, a character actor in the making. I, I, I never... What do you mean in the making? You've always been a character actor. Well, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, I think for a woman, there's a lot of... Or there's that pr- pr- pressure to be the juve, pretty thing. And I've never, ever felt like I was ever 
the juvie pretty thing. Although I've played those parts, they always have felt like a... Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) So I've always in the back of my head gone, one day, one day you'll be 50 and you can play interesting people. That'll be exciting. And it's kind of happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I... yeah, I've, I've I've loved getting older. I think I think the auditioning thing I struggle with. I really struggle with with it because I do want. I really every inch of my body wants to go. I don't want to fucking learn it. Pay me and I'll learn it. Yeah, no. I do. No, I think you're dead right. The I was hours. Talking, I've spoken to a fair few people who felt the same thing. And then some actor friends of mine that just have a good memory look at it and walk in, and you go, "How is that fair? How is that fair?" The, the even if somebody's given 48, 24 hours notice, it's still hard if you're trying to learn 14 pages. Oh, it's, it's impossible. It's I can't really, do it. I can't no. do it. And I have I have gone, I can't do it, and not gone in, because I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Honestly, I can't. And then also this part, you go, oh, come on, I've been an actor for 35 years, however old I am, I can't even remember. Surely... Surely for your three lines in a nice little movie, surely you can look at my CV and think, I bet she can, bet she can learn those lines. Yeah, well, I don't and think... And I bet she can do it. I bet I would say you shouldn't even be auditioning <laughs> for three lines in a fucking movie, to be honest. But we all do every now and then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Every now and then. And you know, we have to have to pay the rent and we've got to we all feed to the children. We all have food on the table. I know. I know. You know, sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes you go, oh, I've got, I've just got to go up for it. I've got to do it. But no, I, I've, I've found, I've, but again, I mostly do theatre. So is that because you want to do it? Yeah, you want to do theatre. I know you. I love, love it. I love it. I mean, I do. I genuinely love. I love it. I love rehearsals. I love the actors. I, I love the crew. I love the stage manager. I love it. And I think if you don't, then what, why are you bothering? Because it's, it can be too horrible, this job, unless you really have a joy for it and, and a skipping your step going to work, which I do. Probably about three jobs in my life I've gone, oh, oh, this is hard work. Yeah. One of those jobs being the one that we did together. Yeah. But do you ever find that... A- you're doing a job. If you feel you've only had like three jobs in however long you've been doing this, that's made you feel oh, or got you down. Yeah. Do you consider yourself very lucky? In oh that yeah. Respect? Yeah 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 yeah. But it's a great job, isn't it? I think so. I mean, look, it's a roller coaster and it's yeah, fucking hard at times. But isn't that the joy of it that you go, oh, I'm sitting here doing nothing? Tomorrow it might all change, and some days you do get those days. And I, you know, you walk down a corridor at work, going, "I thought, I thought, oh, I'm sitting here looking at a blank diary for a year." Then suddenly, out of nowhere, it all just goes. It all changes, and you go, "Oh, that's that's nice. Oh, good." (laughs) Well, that's why you're probably still doing it after all this time, and you won't pack it in. Would you ever pack it in? No. No. That is a very definite no. no. (laughs) I don't think I will. No, I don't. I mean, unless it packs me in. Which it may well do. I mean, you never know. I I appreciate as a woman. I keep saying to Ray, my other half, you know, I'm I'm getting to a point where I think the parts are going to start drying up, just because they don't exist. So I'll see how I feel about that. Hopefully, but I do think things are changing. I think that people are writing more for older people, realizing there's a big market there. Yeah. Yeah. I was just in New York for a month and every every theatre piece that I went to see, it's filled with people who are 60 plus and you go, well, come on, this is your audience. This is, this is your audience. Put some stuff on for them about grown-ups and it, that, that exists. So, and I think it's getting better. I think people are taking bigger chances... Bigger chances, bigger risks, taking bigger risks in the theatre, at least. You can also see that in the cinema as well, you know, when something like Last Marigold Hotel came out and then you were catering, 
to a completely different audience, and you know those films making a lot of money a lot for of a money. specific audience. Yeah. yeah. Jenna, <laughs> it's lovely to talk to you. And you, sausage. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I did. Was it all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And another episode is done. What about that? How brilliant is Jenna? Um, I once described Jenna Russell as uh, singing like an angel, swearing like a navvy. She's got a wicked sense of humour as well. And it was a joy to spend time with her. And it was eight, That's the longest I've spent with her for ages. So it was lovely to see her. We went to London and we had a cup of tea and a slice of cake and a good natter. So, that's it. We are done for this week. And we've only got two more recording dates in December, the 17th and 18th of December. We're recording. I've got six episodes lined up to record, so they'll be coming to you January, February time, with some very, very exciting people. I'm really looking forward to sitting down with them. I've got one coming all the way over from America. That'll be interesting, won't it? So... You know where we are. We're on all the social media at Two Shot Pod. Send us a message there. Send us in your best of, remember. You've got till 13th of December. Have a good think. It's been a long, jam-packed year. And look, you know we've been giving out all these episodes. We all do this for free. They will continue to be free. But quite a fair system is we're with Patreon. Patreon slash Two Shot Podcast. You can go there. If you're feeling festive, you're feeling generous, you want to support us, you can always throw us some shillings. I don't do that. That's whole currency. Just just give us some pound. Although it's in dollars on Patreon, that's really confusing. And it don't worry. Look, go to the Patreon site. There's a little video there. It explains everything. You can give as much or as little as you want. You can just do it for December and stop, or you can carry on doing it every week. It's every month, whatever. It's up to you. And if you don't want to, you can't afford to. Do not worry. The podcast will con- continue to be free. I can't speak. Right, I'm going to go. Thank you so much for downloading and telling your friends and subscribing. Tell some more friends. They might like it. Time to come on board. There's always room for more. Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take care. Have a brilliant week. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>